Hey guys, so I just got my Amway order. Hello everyone, I got a package from my night today. <sighs> I just got Hey guys, good morning. I just did my skincare. Thought I would help my mom invested all of her money into Amway. We lost our house. I lost one of my best friends to an Amway. Have you ever wanted to start your own business? When I was nine years old, I remember this thing we used to do at church. It was called Parents' Night Out, and it was kind of like a free babysitting for parents in the community who had grown children that needed to live at home or younger children that had disabilities that required round-the-clock care. And so me and my mom, we were volunteers. And I remember this one particular Friday night where I was kind of frolicking around the halls and I was running around with two friends. We're like sneaking Cokes and like getting a third piece of Papa John's pizza, running around playing hide and seek in the nursery and then going back and helping our parents play with toddlers. And it was so much fun. And I remember thinking, this is as good as it gets. Here we are, we're on mission, we're helping people, we're providing a service, we're having fun. Our parents are laughing and talking and having community. Me and my friends are getting three Cokes and having a good old time. I had this feeling of, this is what my life's purpose is. It is to serve others while working hard at something and to have a good time while doing it. I have been chasing that feeling ever since. Why does that one moment stick out so much in my mind? Maybe because chasing the good-as-it-gets feeling for 30-plus years has led me down a lot of different paths and to different cults. I joined a couple cults in college. Remember those friends I was running around church with at Parents' Night Out? Well, one of those friends was named Michelle, and I contemplated joining a cult that her mom started after hanging out at her mansion several times freshman year. Now, Michelle's story has nothing to do with my story very much, other than how adjacent I've been to cults in general. But if you're curious, just go check it out on the way down the documentary on HBO. I decided I liked food too much, and that was kind of sacrificing food was kind of a requirement for being in her cult, so I decided against it. In 2014, after searching, working in nonprofits, seeking out many different cult-like and pseudo-cult-like groups, I decided to put myself smack dab into an MLM. Welcome to the first episode. Hi, I'm Erin, your host, this will be a show where we will try our best not to shame or convince you of anything, but where we'll hopefully shed some light and go in-depth on what it takes to be a model little cult member. A little about me. I'm a former trauma therapist. Yes, I have my master's, and I did that long before joining an MLM. I'm a mother. I've had experiences in a handful of cult-like groups, like I mentioned, as well as the nonprofit sector. And now I have a corporate job that I really like. But for the past nine plus years, almost a decade, I have been an active member and leader in an MLM. 
This show is going to be part memoir, and I will definitely be dropping in some personal stories, pre-MLM and MLM juicier related stories. But for the past 10 years, I have been studying what it takes to be good at an MLM from inside the belly of the beast. I have been evaluating every red flag, founders of MLM companies. I've seen successful, like seemingly very successful people preach about how my company changed their life only to hop to three or four other MLMs in the last decade that I've known them. And they bring along followers every time. I've seen how people do the MLM thing as an influencer and then also as a 200 follower private Instagram account mom who only does everything in person. I have seen people find success to a degree. I have seen this business model work for some until it doesn't. I have gotten to know the ins and outs of this whole MLM industrial complex, like it was my PhD dissertation on whether or not an MLM is a true cult, which maybe I will go do my dissertation someday. I don't know. And I've also noticed how MLMs are a lot like other groups in our culture right now in this present day and time in many ways. So hopefully this podcast will be something helpful to you if you have been in a high control group or commercial cult like an MLM or any other cult-like organization. Throughout the series of this show, The Model Little Cult Member, we will be talking to experts, we will be sharing stories of real people, and I'm hoping that the vibes will be less about me having all the answers, um, but more of a tool for you to do with as you wish. This is going to be more about what it takes to stay in and be good at a high control group or commercial cult versus here are my six steps to leave program. This is intentional. Uh, We'll go deeper in the coming weeks into the hows and whys cults work and the way they do. Hopefully it will help you who have experiences with these types of high control groups. Maybe you have a loved one who's been through something like an MLM at some point. But also, I'm hoping that it can put a bird in your brain about how maybe the group that you are in could have some cult-like tendencies or high-control tendencies. And even if it's not an MLM, back when I was deciding whether or not I would continue promoting my own MLM, I came across a coaching cult podcast, and it really opened my eyes to the unhealthy similarities in my own group. This show will also probably dispel some myths Uh, My story does not fit an Instagrammable five carousel story arc about success or failure. I had mediocre success as an MLM leader, and I'm sure some anti-MLMers would not want me to say that. I'm not sure that pro-MLMers would want me to divulge all of my observations and insider information. So I'm sure this podcast at some point will upset someone that I'm not too strong in one direction, and that's okay. Like, that's just, I'm okay with that happening. There are extremes out there, and this podcast is not going to be extreme. Although probably juicy at times, it's more to just be like a helpful tool for your own personal journey. I do think, you know, when it comes to the two poles of the anti-MLM, pro-MLM world, like each side has some truth to them. Um, You know, there are pro MLMers who will say like anyone can make money and that's kind of true. You know, I did, but is it worth it? And is it lasting is the question. And there are anti MLMers who would say that only conspiracy theorists, QAnoners who knowingly want to scam people do MLMs. And I guess that's also 
not true, but there are some of those in my own MLM. While I've been making this podcast, I have tried very hard to not jump into a polarized view of this whole situation and this whole world, because at the end of the day, there are plenty of us who join and stay in these cult-like groups, and we stay in for a very long time because of a wide variety of good-hearted reasons, and my show is for those people. And we all get to these cult-like groups some way or another, and that is what our first show is about. This is about the on-ramps into the MLM world. My on-ramp was that deep, personal sense of mission that I already talked about. I think in the past, I felt, quote-unquote, called to do something big, to make a big impact, to work really hard at something, but to also have fun and community while doing it. And I felt like an MLM just was the perfect marriage of all of those things. I was so excited when I figured out that the MLM might be the answer. Um, But let's take a look at what some other people's on-ramps are. First, we're going to hear from Robin. I met Robin through a mutual friend on Instagram. We both lived in the same town, and I reached out to her to help me kind of get into her story with an MLM, and this is how she got started. This is her on-ramp. You can find Robin, by the way, over at FitMomRob on Instagram, and she shares a lot of really great fitness tips, exercise, nutrition. She knows all the things. So here's Robin. What first drew you to the MLM company that you chose, and how did you get involved in that? I um, have been a part of, I guess, MLMs for quite a while. I was direct selling, started a long time ago with uh, Mary Kay initially, then I kind of hopped around jewelry, did the cooking tomorrow at home, and then went to Arbonne. I was invited to a party mm-hmm. a couple of years before I started, and I really liked the products, um, and it kind of aligned with how we were living, and you know, they kind of sold me on the healthy factor, and I remembered that when I came across it again and was offered the opportunity to, of course, they, we, you know, you're offered at the party or wherever you go, but I I didn't really have time for it then. And I wasn't trying to get back into something like that, but Mm -hmm. I wanted so many products at the time. And of course, if you join, you get the discounts or the the deal for being a consultant, like the consultant price versus just the price if you're just buying as a consumer. So anyway, Mm -hmm. that sold me too. So I was like, well, why not just make money and get the products that I'm using and that I love and then everybody will be happy. So right. that was kind yeah. of like my thought process behind that. Yeah, that's a very common story. I mean, that's exactly yeah. why I, I wasn't thinking I would sell it at all. I was mm-hmm. like, I just want all this stuff and I want it for cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> so Robin's on-ramp was just wanting the products and the business followed from there. Like Robin, our next guest, Lauren Dunaway, professor at Tulane and dietitian. You can find her at Lauren E.F. Dunaway or at Unlearning Nutrition, by the way. Lauren, like Robin, got into the products of her MLM first. One particular on-ramp was, well, 
hiding or disguising the on-ramp itself, making entry into an MLM so easy that you don't really even know you're joining one. Our company often did this, and Lauren and I were part of the same company. And they couched this in an MO of, quote, doing things differently. And here I ask Lauren about this. Did you ever have that feeling with our company, like it was different or were you always like, no, I mean, it's pretty much the same. Oh, I mean, I absolutely thought it was different. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't even know it was an MLM. And I, I remember I like ordered my oils. I was pregnant with my second daughter and I didn't even like open the box for two months. And then I opened the box. I just like absolutely fell in love with the products and specifically fell in love with our particular community because mm-hmm. it was a time in my life where I didn't have that. And I just like fell in love with the camaraderie and like-minded people. And I, and it built on my own personal interest as a person with a degree in health. And, and I just like loved it. I loved talking about it and sharing about it, et cetera. And then I saw a random post and it was like, oh, you can make X number of dollars if you give someone your you know, whatever your link. And I was like, Oh, really? Like, mm-hmm. and even when I went through like the initial business training, I still, even in the initial business training, it never, ever, ever said that it was an MLM. And I feel, I feel mm-hmm. part of my complex about this is, and I'm just being really raw here as an academic, like intelligence is like at the forefront of like what you are supposed to be like, what yeah. you're create, what you're judged by or whatever. And I look back at myself, you know, in the fall of 2015, you know, early 2016, and I'm like, what, what, how did I not get it? But I, I mean, I would swear on a lot of things that it was never mentioned. It was never Mm -hmm. mentioned that it was an MLM. I mean, it was like, you, you know, you recruit people, you get people to do the business. And part of it was because like, I really didn't have any exposure to MLMs before, yeah, so I knew like mid twenty ten. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I remember growing up. I remember my mom would be invited to like Tupperware parties and like makeup <laughs> parties and stuff like that. And I always remember her being like, "Don't you know these stuff? This stuff is you know whatever marked up or whatever." And I, I kind of remember this like, "Oh my gosh, like who are these people that like make their business by like hosting these parties and selling these things?" And our particular team I'm sure teams across our company was so purposeful to teach us to do it differently yeah and I can see the value in that and I also feel a little manipulated by that because I truly never saw it at for what it was because I bought in before I decided to do the business side and then of it there's the on-ramp of necessity this is Mady you can find her over at charlie and olive underscore Mady's on-ramp was one where she needed a job, but she had very small, tiny people to take care of also. Daycare is expensive for both parents who have to work outside of the home, so what else is there to do? Here is Mady on that. In terms of like, I so what do you want me to do? Like, we, we need to pay our bills and put the girls because the girls were little at the time like in daycare and spend all of that money so like I, I don't you know so I could do that or then I don't work at all and 
now we are house poor and we're screwed. So like, we, I have, I was like, I got to work. I don't have a choice here. And this is like the most flexible, great job. And I really do look back with fondness of what it gave me in terms of like monetary um, money to be able to like have Olive, who was like the most like, she's so easy now, but like she was like the most colicky child ever. And like, it just allowed me to like, and that's why I, I gave up my other job as like a college admissions, even though it was remote was like, I couldn't be on the phone with crying babies. Like it wasn't practical and I could do that with Young Living. Like if I were going to talk about this to like other people that don't understand MLMs that only see it, like I'm always like, unless you have walked in the shoes of somebody that's done it and like really done it, not just like, oh, I did it for three months, but like done it for years and did well, like you don't have a place to talk. So when I, you know, cause I had, you know, a lot of people in my life criticize, you know, MLMs and things. And I'm like, unless you've done it, like, you don't get to say anything. And I'm going to criticize it because I wasn't it. And like there was a lot of flaws and it's really weird yet at the same time i could not have survived without it either so i'm very i have very conflicted emotional feelings towards it because like it was like you know i i just look back at the whole thing something else came up a much needed family change during Mady's time within her mlm divorce Things haven't changed a whole lot from the time my mom needed to get a divorce in the early 80s to now. Many women are not set up well to be able to get a divorce. And here's Mady on that and the part that her MLM business had to play. A big reason, you know, for me not getting divorced had to do with two factors. The first was, what would people think about me? In turn, you know, no one's going to believe me. And then the second part was, I can't financially leave. And... So I just felt very stuck. And then I got older. So then the feelings of like, I don't care what people think about me. If I left, I don't care. And then all of a sudden, you know, Young Living was picking up and I was like, I, I could, like, I could do this. I could go off by myself. Things would get really tight financially, but I could do it. And, you know, and then of course I meet you through which now I have this job. This job Mady is referring to is a corporate job that we both work at, not an MLM, by the way. And like, I just financially would not be able to be where I'm at, living like a free life. And so for that, I'll always be thankful for. And having screaming babies, it does work for people, you know, like moms. It really does. So there are a lot of reasons for joining something like an MLM. Financial independence, feeling like there aren't great choices out there for mothers of small children, for well-paying jobs working from home. Just wanting the products that your company offers and wanting a discount to make a little bit of money on the side. There's also less practical, more grandiose reasons for wanting to join, kind of like mine. Wanting to be on mission or wanting to lead a movement. Uh, wanting to have, like you know, I said in the beginning, my on-ramp was wanting to be on mission feeling like I'm serving other people, but also having fun and community and safety and, and getting something in return <laughs> and how an MLM was such a perfect marriage of all of those things for me. And in the beginning, it really did feel safe. It felt good. It, it felt like it was going to be the answer. So many reasons to get onto that MLM superhighway, and most don't really require a lot of barriers. But what happens next? What is it like after you join? Is it easy to get off the MLM superhighway? And I imagine the MLM superhighway, by the way, 
as the MLM industrial complex, meaning MLM, self-help, yes, even like coaching and coaches, coaching coaches and supporting podcasts, community, self-help books, the company, like all of it combines together to be that MLM highway. And it's got many, many, many on-ramps, but it doesn't have a lot of exits. And is it hard to get off and find an exit? And who designed the highway in the first place? And that is where we will be going and getting into more of that on our next episode. Some people are going to succeed and do amazing. The company is going to succeed, but you're going to be dragging thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people behind you in the dirt who invested money and didn't make money, who were questioning their self-worth, who believed in something and were let down. Why do we need an MLM type structure to begin with? Yes. Right. Why do MLMs need to exist in the first place? No, because the truth of an MLM structure is that it's just like the mafia. More on that next time at The Model Little Cult Member. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me, if you want to, over at Common Cult Pod is our podcast Instagram. The music for this episode was done by Caleb Conkin. The editing was done by David Jones, and this was produced and written by me, Aaron Jones. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.